Skype chats and shared spaces, I learned how to squeeze more into the dark corner of my mind, where I kept the other memories. Memories of being told I'd never see my parents again, of my uncle and aunt, of Quincy's handiwork. I was moved to a small room off the cookhouse. I'd lock myself in early at the end of the day, avoiding the others, avoiding everyone. Sometimes I'd hear the other students come in for a late-night snack, chatting and happy, smell the fresh coffee and biscuits the cook, Pat, made for them. All I had to look forward to was another agonizing night. After they left, I'd hear a soft knock on my door and footsteps walking away. Pat would always leave a little snack for me. We'd all been here almost a year, and I was bunking with the others now. The beds, hard, lumpy, and smelly, reminded me of the halfway house I was placed in after my parents were killed, adding more fuel to the nightmares that still came almost every night. Only the screaming had stopped. At the compound, I learned it helped to be outside, to feel the sun beating on my skin, the sky open above me. In winter, I walked from the bunkhouse to the cookhouse in just a t-shirt and shorts, wanting, needing to feel the wind and sun on my bare skin, no matter what the temperature. There were no ceilings here, no putrid water dripping from the ambience and girders, no recycled air. I'd grown to love the huge open expanse, no longer scared by a sky that stretched on forever. There was nothing to break the silent splendor of the mountains. Even transports were forbidden from flying overhead by the Canadian government to keep the wilderness as pristine as possible. Ace Boot Camp, Kenanaskis, Sunday, June 11th, 2141, 5.35 a.m. I woke up early again this morning, the nightmare sweat still clinging to my skin, making the sheets cold and clammy. Turning over onto my side, I stared at the bunk beside me as the tendrils of fear slipped back into hiding. In the dim morning light, filtered through frayed red and white checked curtains, I could see the blanket rise and fall as the bunk's occupant slept. I knew her name, I knew she did well in physical challenges and poorly in others, but I didn't know her. I had missed that chance. I'm not sure I would have taken it, even if it was offered. It wasn't. From what I'd been able to pick up, we'd all come from below level three. None of us had family or real friends that would miss us. Emma seemed to be the only exception. She'd been recruited from a small group of insurgents creating havoc on Level 2 near San Francisco. The room stank of old shoes and sweaty clothes. Yesterday afternoon, we'd done endurance training, tasked with running the mountain's trails while carrying our own food and water. We'd gotten back well after the sun had gone down, using small headlamps to light the way, and fallen into our bunks exhausted. It was a relief not to hear the other girls talk, not to be ignored, excluded yet again. Janice, one of the other students, walked in from outside and silently crept back to her bed. I lay still, not wanting her to know I was awake, until her breathing evened out. I cautiously raised my head off the pillow,
For the last three days, I'd felt nauseous in the mornings, barely making it to the latrines before throwing up. Things seemed to be better this morning. Hopefully whatever had made me sick was gone. At least I didn't have to hide it from anyone today. I didn't want to be sick this close to graduation. Even completely wiped out, I'd remembered to take Oscar out of my pocket and slip him under my pillow last night. Oscar was my small golden figurine, a vague image of a man with his arms crossed, holding what I always thought was a sword. It was passed down from mother to daughter for generations. No one remembered why they called him that, but the name stuck. I'd been using him as a keychain when I was a courier. Now the chain and ring attached to Oscar's back were empty. My bike safely stored at Kai's restaurant.